We celebrate the 22nd Sunday in ordinary time, and our gospel continues to focus on Peter. Peter, who testified last week to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, son of the living God, seems not to fully comprehend Jesus' mission as the Messiah. Peter could not understand why Jesus had to suffer, but Jesus was actually showing us the way to glory. If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, he said, let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. For anyone who wants to save his life will lose it, but anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. The cross in the New Testament means that suffering which comes into our lives because of the choices we have made for the sake of the kingdom of God. Such crosses entail sacrifices which are made easier to carry when born out of love for God and for our neighbor. Our first reading talks about the cross that the prophet Jeremiah had to bear as a result of his prophetic mission. Jeremiah was called to the prophetic office at the age of 23 in Jerusalem. His mission, according to Jeremiah 1.10, was to tear up and to knock down, to destroy and to overthrow. During the most critical period of Judah's history, Abuses in the temple and the, the city had reached an alarming point. Furthermore, the people had become more interested in politics than in God. Rebellion against Babylon and engaging in intrigue with Egypt, whose help they sought to set them free rather than their alliance with God, was a misstep. Jeremiah opposed this political scheme, foreseeing that Egypt would not help. He spoke out fearlessly against the disloyalty of his people and foretold that rebellion against Babylon would bring nothing but devastation and exile. For a man of peace and gentle nature, being continually at war with his own people that he loved was a torture of soul, which Jeremiah could not avoid. He hated what he had to say to his people, yet he was compelled by God to say it. He says today, O Lord, you have deceived me and I have allowed myself to be deceived. You are stronger than I and you have prevailed. I have become a laughing stock all the day, for whenever I speak, I cry out violence and destruction. Jeremiah was regarded as a traitor, was imprisoned, and was later thrown into a cistern and left to die. With King Zedekiah's permission, but unknown to the court officials, a servant, a Cushite, released Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was forcibly 
taken down to Egypt where tradition says he died. His life ended tragically on a foreign land rather than in Jerusalem. Like Jeremiah, Christ also loved his people and his mission was to bring them into the new eternal kingdom of God. However, his people were more interested in worldliness and worldly politics rather than their eternal happiness. They rejected him and his message. They mocked and insulted him during his mission among them, and they ended up by having the pagan Romans nail him to the cross. Beloved, are we different from the contemporaries of Jeremiah and Jesus? Haven't we become more political and more worldly than being religious? Today, I wonder if our eternal salvation is a matter of serious concern to most of us. We have become so much political that we see anything through the lens of national politics. Even the teachings of the church are scrutinized within the crucible of political lenses. Unfortunately, the moment you speak about something that is evil, that is spoken against by the word of God, people from different political backgrounds and belonging to political divide come furiously attacking you for playing politics. Now the truth cannot be said with that authority that it demands. We are all as priests and ministers of religion are also becoming political in the sense that we, we, we want to package the message of God, which is the prophetic message in such a way that we don't step on the toes of any political organization or political ideology. Sports. Families are very much concerned about sports. They are willing to drive long distances, sit in the scorching sun or maybe stand in the scorching sun by the stadium, shouting and yelling and, and, and supporting our kids. Unfortunately, when it comes to uh, the religious education of our kids, we are not concerned about that. I think if we can put half of the zeal we put into politics, half the zeal we put into sports, if we can take that half and put it in our orientation towards our religious life and our eternal life, I think no soul will be left behind. We will be candidates destined for eternal glory. Today, more than ever, Materialism has become the order of the day and people are spending their God-given time, talent, trying to acquire as many as they can. But unfortunately, when we die, we leave all these things behind. We go to meet our Lord empty-handed and all that we carry with us is the way we led our lives on earth. Dearly beloved, 
Christ wants you and I to receive eternal glory. Are we prepared for that? Are we sacrificing that for some political uh, uh, exigencies or sporting activity or some material benefit? Jesus tells us today, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, the cross, which was a symbol of shame, a symbol of destruction, a symbol of death, a symbol of discrimination, because it wasn't usual that a Roman citizen would face the death penalty on the cross. It was only foreigners. It was only strangers. It was only servants and slaves that died that way. But Jesus transforms the symbol of discrimination, the symbol of humiliation, the symbol of death into the symbol of life through the power of the resurrection. When we look at the cross, we have two beams, the horizontal beam and the vertical, vertical beam. Those beams are symbolic. They are symbolic to the stand that they exhibit our relationship and love for God and our relationship and love for one another on the horizontal level. But whatever we do, our interaction with God, our interaction with our neighbors is very authentic and genuine when it is done in the name and in imitation of Christ. The corpus on the cross that brings about salvation, that brings about the grace and the benefits to worldly humanity. So my dearly beloved, our interaction with God, our interaction with one another could not be perfect if it is not celebrated or lived out of love. The same love that Christ shared for the world in making us children of God again. We have possibly two categories of religiosity. There is what I call religion of devotion and a religion of commitment. A religion of devotion is a religion of comfort. And it is often centered on self rather than on others. That is the religious notion of Peter originally. In his thinking about Jesus as the Messiah, he was thinking about a Messiah who is going to rule the world and they will occupy high places, be beneficiaries of that. And so for the Messiah to talk about suffering and dying, that is unthinkable. That cannot be possible. So for, 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 for Peter, it is all groom, uh, rosy kind of life. A life that is pleasure, a life that is joyful, a life that is beneficial. That is the religion of devotion. On the other hand, there is a religion of commitment. It is a religion of challenge, a religion of risk, a religion of unselfishness, a religion of moving out of our comfort zone. That religion or religiosity embraces the cross. Jesus seeks commitment from his followers. 
If anyone wants to be my disciple, let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. It is unchristian to think that anyone in Christ will never suffer. No. Unfortunately, this is the message most people are drumming home into the years of believers. If you are a Christian, you shouldn't suffer. Forgetting the fact that Jesus himself suffered. Jesus never promised that there will be no suffering towards his followers. He never promised a no-cross Christianity. In fact, the Lord says in Matthew 24, 9-13, that there will be tribulations. Many will fall away, betray, and hate each other. Wickedness would multiply, and there will be fake prophecies and teachings. But he who endures to the end will be saved. This is not a call to accept suffering unnecessarily. Christianity is not foolishness. But if we have to go through it for the sake of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, so be it. Do not begin to question the reality and power of God because of your experience in life. Because of the challenges, because of the cross you are carrying. God exists. He knows everything. And he is powerful. Do not let the devil take advantage of your situation to mislead you into thinking that there is no power in your church. Or that God is not strong enough to help you. Do not give up on the word of God. It is alive and active. God's word is true. There is so much wickedness in the world. There is so much betrayal in the world. There are so many false prophecies and teachings in the world. There are so many miracle centers and many other satanic strategies. Beloved, do not be deceived. Hold on to your Redeemer, for he lives. May the Holy Spirit strengthen us. That even in times of difficulties, in times that we have to embrace the cross, we will be strengthened to live the gospel irrespective of its consequences. Amen.